Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. As always, it's sponsored by AdelaMarcy.com, purelyhosting.net forward slash Adel. Go there, get your business shared hosting. It's pretty cool when you're getting set up. And of course, we're sponsored with this show with two more places. One really, but it's the same guy. Uh, better Business, oh, was it, sorry, is it better or best? Best. Yeah, bestbusinesscoach.ca and bestbusinesspodcast.com. Uh, check out the Best Business Podcast. It has a r- wide array of people that like, I respect the hell out of. The, our next guest, Daryl Urbanski, is actually... Did I say that right? Is it Urbanski or Urbanski? It depends. Tomato, tomato, Urbanski, Yubinski. I've been called a lot worse, so all Yubinsky. good. Either way. <laughs> Who the hell calls you Yubinski? Oh, you'd be surprised. So oh, it's, fine. It's, it's fine. People get my name wrong, and it's like, dude, it's four letters. Come on. <laughs> it's in your language. Come on. Right? Yeah. Oh, man. But anyway, so, uh, yeah. So, Daryl's just, like, a genius at getting people on, like, the show and podcast. And I was like, you know what? That's the dude I want to interview. Plus, he's a, re- he's a friend of mine and a really good one at that. So, I'm going to ask him to get on the show. And we'll talk about some crazy good stuff. Daryl, thanks for being here, dude. Hey, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me. It's always an honor and a pleasure to just, you know, rip off on marketing stuff and just help whoever I can. I hope to just give a ton of value and answer any questions and hopefully the listeners that, you know, people, everyone will walk away, you know, with a little bit, uh, a little bit better, stronger, faster, smarter, whatever, just from having heard it. So that's my goal. So that is awesome. Um, yeah, by the way, just an FYI, uh, cause man, I don't think you've actually ever had one of my shows. Maybe you might have, um, we swear a lot. So feel free to drop as many swears as you want. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits, right? Wasn't that? <laughs> the seven that you... The that, seven yeah. that Jules Carlton had? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to say. Get <laughs> those out of the way, we're good, all right. <laughs> Sorry, I just love the fact that someone else has brought up one of my favorite comedians, and it's not me. Oh, man. <laughs> love George Carlton. He was a legend. Marketing genius, by the way. Like, a lot of people under, don't rate the, his marketing style. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to market at the end of the day. It depends what your goals are, but he was just a great, he was just a great man. Um, you know, honest, he was a man. So, you know, I don't think he was necessarily flawless, but, uh, he was good at what he did. He really cared about people and he loved making people smile, you know? And so that's, I think some really important things. And he did what he loved, which is, you know, something my, my 16 year old cousins here visiting and we were just talking, we just grabbed a couple of things before this interview so she could eat whatever she's here visiting me for a little bit. And we were talking about that, the mistakes people make uh, when it comes to money, you know, and we were checking out, she was like, that lady wasn't very nice. I'm like, yeah, but she's doing a job that she hates. Like she's not passionate about this. She doesn't seem either. I mean, she might just be having a rough day, but it just kind of came across that she doesn't really seem to be a people person. And like, this is just a J O B for her. And, you know, we need all the people that do all the different jobs out there in the world. But you know, when you're controlling your own life, you really want to try to direct it towards things that you're passionate about, because if you're good at what you do, or if you're passionate about what you do, you'll get good at it and if you're good at it you'll be one of the top paid in that field so yeah um, i think that's really important for people to understand hell yeah it is i mean it's one of my favorite things like there's a quote that i uh i said if i ever get a ta- if i ever got a tattoo this would be the first thing i get tattooed on my body after the really cool design that i had done for the last 10 years damn new <laughs> tattoos so they can't get but um what i'd get done is uh it's a reminder on my left uh forearm and my right forearm on my left forearm it says uh it'll just say one like r- rule number one, um, it's about the two most important days in a person's life. My, like the person that told me says the two most important days in a man's life. Uh, but of course it's universal. It's number one, uh, the day that you, f- that you discover what you love. And mm. on the right arm, it would say two, 
the day you discover how to get paid to do what you love. Mm, that is yeah. that is a quote that I tell every person that's like, how do I start a business? I'm like, don't start a business for business. Start a business because you're passionate about something. And yeah. learn how to use the business to get paid. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, a business is just a collection of people working together to achieve a common goal. That's really all it is. It's a group of people working together to accomplish something. And often, that thing they're trying to accomplish is to help another group of people, either with a product or with delivering a service. But at the end of the day, it's all about people. So even though like, you know, I'm known for helping create seven-figure automated income streams from scratch, uh, you know, it's, it's not... It's not like in a vacuum. It's not like just a robot that you set up and then you go and sit on the beach. Like there's people, there's real customers, there's real testimonials, there's real people that are struggling with different parts of it. You know what I mean? Like there's real problems, there's real competitors that then try to come out and beat your products and that. Like the world is a really dynamic place. Um, and so that's, again, it just comes down to just, you know, doing what you love. I, I don't know the, you know, who believes what on this call. You know, it doesn't matter who your God is or anything. All we really know is we got this one life. You know, you may believe in an afterlife. You may believe that you'll come back for another life. But all you really know for sure is you got this one. And so let's just, you know, believe in all that other stuff that you want to believe in for sure. But let's just not waste what we know we've got, you know. And so why would you do that? Alan Watts is a philosopher I'm a big fan of, and he talks about how a lot of people, like we raise our kids to do the same thing that we've done, you know, and so parents get up and they're told to go to school and then they go to school and they're told to get a good job and they get a good job and, you know, and they go in this career, but it's something they hate and they pass, but even though they hate it, they don't try to improve it for their kids. They just pass along the same lessons. And so it's just this hand in down of like living an unfulfilled life versus, I mean, the samurai in Japan, the cherry blossoms are really prized. Like cherry blossom trees, they're so beautiful. Have you ever seen a cherry blossom tree like in full bloom? Yeah, dude. I love uh, – well, there's cherry blossom trees that are awesome, but Japanese cherry blossoms – Oh, shit. Sorry. Oh. Hold on. That was me. My bad. I accidentally muted myself. Um, uh. I was going to say cherry blossom trees are awesomely beautiful, but for me, it's the Japanese cherry blossom that it smells the best. Right. And they've got them planted all over the country, but they only really blossom for one to two weeks. So out of 52 weeks of the year, you only have a tree for 50 of those weeks. And then two of those weeks, you've got flowers. But that season can be cut short if it's rainy, if it's really windy. I lived in Japan for three years. And one of the years, it lasted like three days because it was just really heavy rain. But they love it because it really symbolizes even what they loved about the samurai's life, that it was meaningful but short. And they really believe that it's better to live a short life doing what you want than a long life doing something you hate. And that's part of why the cherry blossom is one of, I think it's like the, the, the country's flower, you know, and they just believe that they believe because there's such like, it's funny, I'm, I'm going to be traveling soon. I'm going to be going to the Philippines and Japan and Grenada. And I was looking at and bringing my dog with me. My, my beagle and um, you know look at the requirements and all the other countries it's pretty lax it's like you know they gotta have a checkup you have to have proof and like a certificate from your vet yada yada Japan is like they have to have this shot and then six months later they have to have this shot and they need to be inspected at least two days before they get across and the Jap Japanese you know in a lot of ways they're very thorough very detailed very intricate like that um, and I just love that 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 dedication that passion towards mastery I mean there's a great quote and it was um Advance daily. I forget. Oh, I should look this up. But it was something like advance daily in everything that you do. And it's like that's like that's the the whole reason is just to get up and work. There's also the movie, um, The Last Samurai, which I know it's just a movie, but one thing um, 
what's his name? Tom Cruise. Cruise one yeah. of the things, yeah, I don't know why I had a brain fart there, but one of the things that Tom Cruise has that's really powerful is he's got that, that or in that movie is he captures that how every day they're waking up and their sole purpose is just to get better at their craft, you know, to keep doing what they're doing and getting better at it. And I think there's a lot to be said at that. So, yeah, there is. It's a massive uh, truth that very few people really want to admit to, so to say. Yeah. Say um, that again. Sorry. It, it's a powerful truth that very few people want to admit to is that if you're not moving an inch forward every day, you're technically moving an inch backward. Yes. Yeah, because nothing stands still, and if you're not progressing, you're 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 falling behind. It was when I was training uh, when I first started training martial arts. There was a great quote, and I was like, "When you're not training, someone else is to kick your butt." And it, you know, it just hits that nail on the head again that, you know, that it's, you got to be on your, you got to be on your game every day and that you've got here, what is it? The samurai quote, throughout your life, advance daily, becoming more skillful than yesterday, more skillful than today. This is never ending. That's a samurai saying. And it's just, it's a, again, it's about finding that, um, like, the, you know, if you had to live, relive the same life every day, there's a movie Groundhog Day with this guy, Bill Murray, I Bill think. Bill Murray, yep. That's the one. And every day, yeah, he wakes up and every day he's got to relive the same life, you know, and in him, he learns a lesson because he's like selfish and he's, you know, self-centered. He doesn't care about other people. And, you know, through living the same day over and over, after a while, he gets bored. And first, you know, he, he cons people and he figures out how to do this, 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 you know, and how to manipulate people and things. But then he's just kind of stuck at it. And he's like, this is kind of, you know, this is kind of shitty. Uh, usually I have to watch what I'm saying in an interview, but, you know, it's like, this fucking sucks. This is yeah. shitty. So he starts trying to make things better and improve it. And he starts, and then eventually near the end, like not only is he creating community around him and helping people, his day is like all about giving and caring for others. He falls in love with this woman and, you know, they end up, she ends up spending the night at his house and he wakes up the next morning and she's beside him. And like, that's the end of the movie that he finally got to the next day. And I really think that the lesson of that is that people should live like they only have, like you're going to live the same day every day. I try to do that. And I'm on the wagon and off the wagon for times, but I've got like a schedule that to me, it's all my favorite things in the same day. And I, I really do try to do it every day because, you know, it's not about being busy. It's about being productive. You know, I got four things that if I can get these four things done, then usually I can take the rest of the day off um, because it's about being productive, not about being busy. So um, again, I just, I don't know, we're just kind of riffing, but I think there's a lot of value in all that. I mean, go, again, it goes back to George Carlin. Like the guy did what he loved to do, you know, and a lot of these people, they live unorthodox lives, but they design them for themselves. It's not the traditional, I need to do this, I need to do that, you know, because Japan, as all the great things that we just said about it, it also has one of the highest suicide rates in the world. And that's also because of the expectation that they have that you will wake up and you will do this thing every day, whatever you've chosen to do. And a lot of people don't do the soul searching. They don't, you know, they don't look within and they're not, a, they're not uh, able for whatever reason to change if they're stuck in something that is really making them unhappy. And so for a lot of people, they feel like their only way out is to kill themselves because of the pressure. So Japan's got the highest suicide rate in the world, but they also have centurion, the highest number of centurions in Okinawa. It's a lot of good that comes out of it. And I think that it comes from that, a kind of disciplined focus. Um, I'm going to yeah. sound really stupid, but what's a centurion? Like, do you mean centurion as in oh, the no. actual gun? Yeah, that's fine. A centurion is, uh, no, um, a centurion is like uh, someone who's lived over 100 years old. Oh, God. I that yeah. yeah, sorry. My brain instantly, when someone says centurion, it goes to one of three places. Either Roman Empire, <laughs> gods, or Marvel. Don't know. Right. It's like comic books. <laughs> Yay. 
I swear to God, I am over the age of 25. Yeah, it's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned something about martial arts, which is really cool, because we've spoken about this before, um, but you trained under Hickson for a while, didn't you? Yes. How is uh, that as an experience? Because like, for those that don't know or the uninitiated, uh, Hickson Gracie is arguably known as probably the best living Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter. Who's, I don't think he, he doesn't fight anymore, doesn't train anymore. Or he doesn't fight anymore, but he trains. Well, no, but he does. He does seminars and stuff. And yeah. there's all, you always hear, and you know, and how much of this is real and how much of this is just perpetuated legend talk? You know, it's, I don't know. But there's also, um, in 2012... I think it was 2012. Hickson was doing a tour for his invisible jiu-jitsu seminar. And he was at, it was in, I think it was in California and he was doing a seminar there. And there was a guy who had just won the world championships as a black belt um, for his division. And he'd won a couple of times in a row or something like that. And was he was, Kayo Tara. I don't, I, you'd have to ask Henry Atkins to be certain. Oh, fair enough. He's the one, he's the one that told me this story. Henry Atkins ran Hickson's gym, but he said that he was there and basically that this person was there and they didn't want to name names because they didn't want to assault anyone. Um, but anyone that was at the seminar could tell you and that, you know, and that Hickson, uh, the guy had said something about, you know, position and him and Hickson got into a little bit of a debate about something. And then Hickson basically put the guy in side control and made him tap just from the pressure he was able to put on the guy holding him in side control. So there's all sorts of these little nuances things. And I mean, Hickson's been doing it since he was a kid. He was raised to do it. He was bred in a family of doing it. You see, like, not only does he do the belly breathing, but he'll like, he'll walk along a tight rope and do one-legged squats on this tight rope. Like the guy's in phenomenal shape. He was always dedicated to being really fit, really flexible, really fast and focusing on that. So, um, all I can say is the technique is really pure. You know, the technique is really clean. And I think that speaks to the quality of mentors that you yeah. pick in your life. Because um, that was something that I found. I came back as a blue belt and um, I just, you know, I gained a reputation for being able to train up people to a proficient level very quickly. I had a guy that started with me. Uh, he was a teen, but he brought home two gold medals in less than eight months for our wow. province, which is like our state. And now he's the youngest MMA fighter in Canada. And he's got, I'd, I'd have to double check, but I think he's got like a five win, one draw amateur record. Thomas Godin, T-H-O-M-A-S-G-O-D-I-N. He Good trains man. under the school that I left him with when I, when I closed down the school and moved on. Um, and, uh, anyways, it's just, <clears throat> I think, yeah, Hickson was amazing. And I actually, that's part of why I want to go back to Japan is I want to go back to his school there and train because, um, you know, there's something to be said for doing things a bit differently. Like I have a buddy that's in Tokyo. He's an African American guy and he wants to make a career in acting and being in movies and films, but he realized in the States, he's just another brother. So he went to Asia and he built a life in Korea, South Korea and Japan where he's unique and he's, you know, he's special there and he learned their languages and he's had his own TV shows. I think he just had his hundred or his millionth view for his YouTube channel. So I don't know if that speaks any lessons to anybody, but no, that does. That's, that's, that's finding a niche in a market and becoming different. It's like, kind of like saying, um, uh, it's funny, I had this interview with the guy that I, helped, that I worked with, and uh, I remember when he was here to start his career, like, this guy went 16 months, within 18 months, he went from making two grand a month to his company in the first six months of this year doing 1.5 million. Wow, good for him. Yeah, this guy's crazy good. I mean, absolutely amazing. I'll introduce you to him sometime. Um, but his name's Taylor, and Taylor and I were speaking about this. He goes, the thing that he found about uh, niching out of his business was... Um, instead of like looking for a pain that's a certain thing or a certain market, he looked for people that just didn't know what they were doing with Infusionsoft. 
Mm. Oh, uh, Tyler. I think his name Taylor, is Tyler Welch. Taylor Welch. Welch. Yeah, Taylor Welch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Taylor. His, like he's a fucking legend. Good guy. He's a really good friend of mine as well. Um, love that guy. But that's kind of very, it's very similar here. Like how you can apply this to your business. So if you're in a business right now, if you're thinking of an idea, if everyone in your neighborhood, if everyone in like the vicinity initially has that same idea, guess what? You can always transfer that same idea to another part of the world or to another market, and it's yeah. golden over there. Like I'll give you an example for a lot of people that listen to this. If you're in like internet businesses, internet uh, digital marketer, internet marketer, that kind of thing, you what we know has been done to death and. I used to think it was bullshit when people used to tell me this. Um, oh, hey, you know, we shouldn't be selling IM products to other IM people. Rather, teach IM to uh, offline businesses. They're going to think you're a genius. The stuff we take for granted, they're going to think you're a genius. Yeah. I was like, bullshit, never going to work. This is simple, basic stuff. I decided to uh, go to a dentist in London. Uh, this is a couple of years ago. And all I said to them was like, why don't we just tweak all your stuff and add one offer and do a lead capture? That's all I said to him. Mm. hired me, paid me £5,000, which is around, right now it's around 10000 uh, Canadian, or was 10000 Canadian, I don't know what it is now. Um, but at the time, it was a crap load of money, because I'd never made that much money in a single, oh, I'd never made that much at one time, uh, right. in such short succession for something so little. Seriously, it was just strategy work. It was like an opt-in page and some leaflets, and that's all it was, and then I got a percentage of the business at the end of the year um, for that one year, which is great. This guy was looking at me like I just invented fire and shown him how to do it. Yep. Oh, like, yeah. Seriously? Like, th this is stuff that we take for granted. Yep. Oh, yeah. And that's that's a perfect example. I'm actually talking to a friend of mine who's built a piece of software. Um, he actually built it for his and his brother. They've got like a million-dollar martial arts school. And I want to take the software, and I'm going to have him put a new face on it. And I want to bring it to CrossFit gyms because it complements something I'm already looking to do, but it would create a software as a service business out of it, you know, and it's just taking something that already worked and applying it to a different group of people. My biggest problem really is I've got, you know, once you, anyone listening to this, if you're still think like you're trying to figure it out, I mean, that's, you know, that's almost the fun part. Then once you start really getting it, it's trying to discern like what project do you jump in on and how far do you go? Cause there's opportunity everywhere. I mean, yeah. you know, in the beginning you're like, how do I do this? How do I make money? I don't get it, you know. And everyone, a lot of people, they're stuck to like looking for a job or a handout. I was talking to my cousin Hope, that's visiting me just about this today. Like how making money is not really that tough. And she's like, "Well, what do you mean?" I'm like, "Well, making money is just really like I said. It's about finding people that need help and offering to help them, and you know, and just asking to be compensated for it. That's really it. And then you can do it in different ways where you try to, you know, like try and think of how would I help ten thousand people." That's a really helpful thing. How would I how would I do this for ten thousand people? How would I help? How would I answer ten thousand inquiries? How would I manage ten thousand leads? How would I onboard ten thousand customers? And that gets you into kind of like bigger business thinking. Yeah. But even if you boil it down, you know, we were at the grocery store and I was like, you know, this is a lot of groceries. Am I gonna need you to help me carry the groceries out? And she's like, Yeah. I'm like, Do you think there are other people that need help? And she goes, Yeah. And I go, Well, you could just hang out outside and ask people if they need help with their groceries and you probably get enough, you know, some people that say yes. And after you help them with their groceries of their car, they probably give you a dollar or something. She's like, yeah, but not everyone wouldn't I go, I know, but you would just be testing the concept. And then once you know that it works, you could set up a little table and, you know, have, Hey, you know, help, we'll help you with your groceries, you know, a dollar, you know, a dollar for 10 minutes or whatever, like, you know, but that's a way to Chase. do something and yeah. make money. Another thing I was even talking about her is you could just line up all sorts of babysitting deals and then 
give them to your friends and then you, they do the babysitting and you're the one that just finds the work for them. But at the end of the day, what is it that you need? You need the people, the hungry people that are willing to spend money to have someone watch their kids, you know? Um, Gary Halbert. I know, you know, Gary Halbert. Hopefully the listeners know Gary Halbert. He's got that, he's got that talk where he was like, I can, I can guarantee I would build a more successful burger business than you. And I'll give you anything you want. Each of us gets to pick anything that we want to have the successful, you know, the most successful burger joint in town. What do you want? And, you know, in his example, people are like, I want the best recipe. I want the best location. I want money. I want this. He goes, all right, I'll give each of you what you want. And I'll still be- beat you. He goes, you know how? And they go, how? And he goes, because I want the starving crowd. Because if I have a starving crowd, I can start off flipping burgers on a barbecue and just double down with my earnings and get a bigger barbecue or a bigger stall and then eventually have a nice little restaurant because, you know, I'll grow into it because I have the starving crowd. And really at the end of the day, that's what really matters in business is having a starving crowd, having the relationship with that starving crowd, you know, and then organizing the people that are going to take care of those people. When you look up entrepreneur in the dictionary, it doesn't say the person who answers the phone, mops the floor, closes the door at the end of the night, you know, takes the phone calls, does the accounting. It doesn't say that. It says a person who organizes a business or businesses. That's what it says. Um, yeah, that's you know. so true. There's actually something else. It's uh, another good guy that's been on the show, and I'm sure I, th- I think you had him as well, Ben Settle. Yes. Uh, no, I haven't had Ben Settle on my show, but I know him. I think we're friends on Facebook. Yeah, Ben's a. F- fucking legend when it comes to like being good at email the guy's just like ridiculously good and his strategy is on point um what ben likes to say to people that say like, oh i don't know how if it's easy to make money or not he goes well do you have like uh frozen food bags at home yeah like spare ones right yeah well if you don't how much do they cost like a buck dollar give or take at the store yeah he goes how many dogs do you think live in the neighborhood loads okay so why don't you just go door to door, knocking on each door and saying, hey, I will clean up your dog's poop for you for 20 bucks a week. Mm. That's there you all. Go. Yeah, there yep. you go. Business. He goes, it's, it doesn't sound like much, but I can tell you right now, people that don't want to do it will pay you for this. That's right. And then you don't even have to do it yourself. You can organize the people yeah. to do it for you. Find some high school kids, you know, but that, and that's a great example. That's a really great example. There's money, there's opportunities to make money all around us. So it's, you know. It's, it's, I think a lot of times it comes down to focus and it comes down to being committed to, you know, again, we talked about living that day every day. It's about having a group of people you're passionate about helping, which is part of why I'm doing this interview. Cause I know I'm really passionate about helping entrepreneurs. I've been there when you're struggling and you're like afraid about making payroll. I've been there when you're like nervous about having to like, you know, having to, that you're going to fail and, you know, have to proclaim that you're going to fail. I, I, I broke out with a girlfriend of six years. Things didn't work out. And part of it was she didn't believe in my business ideas. And so suddenly I really had to figure it out. You know, there's a lot of pressure on that. And there wasn't necessarily a smooth sailing all the time. You know, I've progressed a long way from there now, but for sure, for sure, for sure. But I've been there. I've had those feelings. I remember I was with, uh, I went out, I mean, this, that girlfriend was, we broke up a while ago, long, like almost 10 years ago now. But I, with a different girl, we went out to Indian food. And I remember it was a, Tuesday night, it was 6, 6.30, this nice Indian restaurant, downtown Kingston, Ontario, Canada, and there was us two and two other couples in that restaurant, and that was it. And I was unable to enjoy my meal because I knew the owner must be freaking out, like, this is it, buddy. This is your fucking time to shine. It is 6, 6.30 p.m. 
where are all the people? Like your restaurant is empty. Like you've got 30 empty tables and you got three people in here and you guys are wearing nice suits and everyone in the staff is dressed up really well. And you guys are trying to be really courteous to us. But one, I spent, I must've spent a hundred bucks. They never found out who I was, never found out how to reach me so they could invite me back and give me a reason why to return. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like I said, and I, and I know what they're going through and he's like freaking out, like, what do I do? And my God, the overhead and like, sure. I, I spent a hundred bucks. The other couples bought, spent some money, but they've got, you know, the rent, the salary, the wages, the taxes, the, the, like all the equipment and stuff. So I'm very empathetic with entrepreneurs. And so I can wake up every single day to coach people, to cheer people on, to say, Hey, you're, 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 you know, you're taking your own, you're listening to your own bullshit. And so that's something I'm really passionate about. And that's, again, at the end of the day, are you passionate about the group of people you want to help? Can you find that starving crowd? Are you really willing to lay down to serve them? And if you are, you know, you're never, and once I really clicked that click for me and I, I found that, you know, I, I don't even need to know what's going to happen in the next three months. I know I'm always going to be okay. Um, you know, I've got a podcast now. We get just over 2,000 downloads a week at present. I'm never going to be hungry, like yeah. ever. I can just upload an audio going, hey, I got some free time. You want me to look at your business? Go to www.blank and, you know, let me know what your problem is and let's hop on the phone and see what we can do. And like, I, you know, 2,000 plus a week, 8,000, 10,000 downloads a month. Someone's going to be like, Daryl, I need some help. Yeah. And I could be able to get some groceries for myself and my family with that. So um, that's the thing. Like, I've actually noticed we overcomplicate shit far too often. Oh, way too often. Like it's to the point where it's, um, it is it is a disease. And I know that because it's a human conditional disease. We just basically want things to be tougher because we can't believe that if it's simple, it's going to work. Um, yeah. Like I was told, I think I told you this right before the show as well, uh, just a little catch up. But the reason I like Ben so much is Ben, um, someone showed me a podcast Ben did where he just basically went on about uh, how he would make six figures with one email a day and how he did it. He goes, all I do, this is my funnel. You want to know my funnel? I have an opt-in page that says, hey, do you want to get the first copy of my newsletter? The upsell is, great. Did you read the first letter of the newsletter? Great. Get this now for $97 a month. Mm. Nothing else. There's literally nothing else. There's no buy other stuff. There's no buy stuff after this. It's literally, you got something for free. I'm just going to email you every day until you buy my new- newsletter. Mm. And he does. Mm. And that's all he does. That's literally all he does. And he is killing it. And, that's um, awesome. Doberman Dan, uh, Dan Gallopu, another great legend. Yep. This is his, this is the model that he does because uh, he told me about this and I told Ben as well about this and he was like, oh, that's so cool. Dan Gallopu uh, literally called out Ben Sasswell at one point, like years before email plays went live and he said, look, dude, you're doing a great job with crypto newsletter. Why are you going to email plays? He goes, I bet you can get people to pay $97 a month to learn just about email. And Dan Gallopu was like, dude, it's not going to happen. Like people paying 97 bucks to learn about everything marketing. Dan Galpi was like, I ate my words that day. He did it. He did it that way. But that's just the reason I'm actually telling the story is alluding to the fact that having a very simple sales funnel, which you guys can totally use listening to this, is great. But combining it with what Daryl already said right now, finding someone to serve, finding something of higher value to give, that massively mm-hmm. goes ahead and helps you and moves you forward from being poor and broke and destitute because we've all been there to yep. having money. I mean, not all. I know some people are like born into money. They've just never had to struggle, which, you know, fuck them. Don't really care about them. I say that joking. They're some of my best friends. I'm just saying. <laughs> Chris, I love you. You know I do. Um, but those people, like when you hustle and work hard to get to where you are, like you have, Daryl. I know you have. You like traveled. You've worked. You've gone through a crap load of crazy stuff. Um, 
and you're still going to be okay. And it's like that calmness of knowing, I'm going to be fine. Something good's going to happen. That you can't replace mm. that confidence. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, and that speaks volumes. And that comes down to really investing in yourself versus in ob- external objects. That's that's a big part of it, you know, um, <clears throat> because I wouldn't have got the education that I have today if I didn't invest every penny that I have. And this isn't to like warm you guys up for some pitch for coach. I mean, by all means, pay me for coaching uh, or, you know, join my coaching programs. But it literally was. I mean, when I had one of my first uh, business, a uh, martial arts school that I had was what I started after my ex and I split. I had to make it work. So anything that I didn't need for food, I, I didn't get a car. I sold my car. I walked everywhere. I, I, I purposefully moved somewhere so I could not need a vehicle and walk to my gym and walk to get groceries and just cab at home and yada, yada, yada. And then every other penny I made. And I mean, I, my school was doing six figures a year. I was investing in coaching and mentorship and seminars. I was like a conference junkie and I was investing in myself. And now, you know, knock on wood, I mean, obviously I have to maintain that education and keep up those habits. But, um, you know, it just, it's, it's, it's just a really good feeling to know that. And I was having a talk with actually one of my clients about that today. And she was, um, I don't want to say frustrated, but she was like, she was reminiscing about how some things are so easy for her to see, but other people so difficult. And I'm like, yeah, it's like you've been, you know, it's like you've been doing pushups, a hundred pushups every morning for the last three, four, five years. So now you're doing one arm pushups, like on a finger and you're like, guys, why, why are you struggling to get to 50? You know, and that's, that's really where the value is. Jim Rohn's got a great quote that you should set a goal to make a million dollars, not for the million dollars. I mean, once you make it, you can give it away at that point because you, you've be, of who you've become. And that's the value in setting a goal. The value in setting a goal is not just what you achieve with the goal. It's who you become in achieving it. You know, you could take a lot of these people that we've mentioned. Uh, you could take everything they have away. You could take me, take everything I have away. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going up and going to move to the Philippines and I'm taking my work with me because I'm online. But even if I didn't, give me 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, I'll be back up and running. Like, like I'm just going to run the same system that I've been running now and, you know, and do the exact same thing. And I might not be where I start when I get started, but you know, I'm not going to be broke. I'm not going to be starving. I'm not going to be hungry. So yeah. Um, um, a friend of mine, Matt Morris, uh, used yeah. to say this all the time. He had this, he had this uh, training back in the days when he owned success university, uh, which is an amazing self-development uh, program. I mean, it was, um, it was a network marketing company, which I have to kind of like, credit for my uh, for my rise into business because they actually really helped me out quite a bit um, Matt had this thing about seven seven secrets to seven figures I mean if you can find the audio great if not then just eat, bombard Matt until he like releases it because I don't know if he still has uh, still has it out there but one of the things he said was that you can put me in, uh, in any country in the world as long as I have my mind I can yep. make that seven figure I can make that seven figure again I can make those seven figures again within like a year. Yeah. easily yeah. at a push yeah. he goes he'd probably do it quicker but a year if yeah. i need it um yeah kind of like jumping into that i'm gonna ask you like a really strange question because this is a question i've been like working on like looking at and i asked it today and i got a really good response i want to see your response as well let's do uh, it the question is simply this what was your lowest moment in all your business history and how did you go ahead and raise yourself from that to where you were before and use that as a springboard to get to where you wanted all while maintaining your confidence or building it? Mm, that's a great question. My lowest moment in business. That's a great one. That's a really great one. I mean, that's a tough one to say as well. Um, I'm not embarrassed about mentioning any of my failures or, or you know, magnificent flops. 
trying to think of my darkest moment, you know, and honestly, I think it probably was when I was, you know, going through the breakup with uh, my ex. I mean, we didn't do the get together breakup thing. Like it, when it was over, it was over. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that was probably one of the darkest moments. So I've been with this girl for just under like a week under six years when we split, we were doing foster care. We were living in a house where we had our foster kids and everything. Um, she had left and moved out and I was in there. We had another month to live in this place. Um, and I didn't have anywhere to go at the time. So I was still in there. The kids were gone. Uh, my ex took pretty much everything like furniture, money, like you name it. Like it was, she took pretty much everything. And I remember I had like a week, I saw a dog get hit by a car. I was sitting in our living room on like the only chair that was left in this place that used to be full of like laughter and smiles and kids and, you know, and hopes of like coaching people and, you know, helping make productive members of society out of some of these kids, yada, yada, yada. And I was there and I was reading something and a bird flew and hit the bay window of uh, the living room. And I went outside and I picked it up and it had broken its neck and it died in my hands. It was like a really tough time. And at that time I was so afraid and nervous like my ex and I money we were arguing about money a lot she was upset because we went and traveled the world for three years we spent three years in Japan we spent a month in Thailand we spent nine weeks backpacking around Africa and then when we came back we didn't have a car we didn't have our own house but all of our friends that we left here did and it's because when we left they just stayed doing the same thing that they were doing and got deeper into it you know and they got a car and they got a house but we traveled and we spent that money so, cause we weren't working online at the time. So we'd, you know, save up and go, save up and go. And I was trying to start this new business thing and she had like no faith in it. Even when I remember before all that, I had her come home and I had her try, she was really like numbers and detail person. I had her help me count my receipts and I made, I think I'd netted $2,500 or just under three grand that month after all my expenses. And I was trying to do it to prove to her like, Hey, there's like, you know, like you can feel comfortable in this. She lost both of her parents when she was young, her, her stepdad when she was 12, her mom when she was 17. So for her, she really craved stability. Yeah. And so for me, that was a really low point because I built all my life, you know, my life with this person and they left partially because they didn't believe in me. And then I had this business that I was running and you have ups and downs. And I think at the time I had two students that were upset and quit. There was some billing issue or something like that. And I was nervous about paying, giving their money back right away. I think that's what it was. In the end, I got it all cleared up. But that was probably one of the lowest points because my personal life was just shit. And the business, you know, it was kind of up and running, but I was in a church at the time. I wasn't like, it wasn't stable. I didn't like have a big sign and a location with a five-year lease. You know, like I was like squatting in a church that I got permission to kind of run a club out of there. And uh, actually, that's what it was. I got told I had to move because the snow had melted and the city bywalker, by, bylaw officers were walking around and they saw my sign outside the church. And this, the church didn't pay property tax because it was a nonprofit organization. But to have a for-profit entity on the premise, on the property, would cause them to have to pay $60,000, $70,000 a year in uh, property taxes. So I had to move. That's what it was. I ended up moving in and sharing space with another martial arts school. And that was really it. And I mean... If I would ever have been suicidal, it probably would have been at that point, but I wasn't suicidal because one of the things that I understood is that, you know, and maybe this is just a benefit of the philosophies I've developed through traveling and all the cultures I've experienced and languages I've learned, but if I were to pick a religion, it would be Taoist. I'm really partial to the Taoist philosophy, mostly because it's you can bring it into any religion, any belief you want, but it really is where the yin-yang comes from. Yeah. And the whole concept is, is like, if you didn't have ugly, you wouldn't understand what beauty is. If you didn't have hot, there would be no cold, that you need the duality. So even though I was in that lowest point, I told myself, 
And I've been telling myself since I was a kid, actually, even when I was a kid, I felt like I had a really rough childhood. I was an orphan, I was adopted, yada, 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 you know, traveled around a lot. I told myself my life was never going to get worse and it was only going to keep getting better and better. And when I was in that spot, in that place, in that dark time, I told myself the same thing, that I'm here now, but it's because something needs to change and that can be painful, but things are going to get better. And uh, I really, like I said, I just dived in. I made, uh, got a network of people. I like, I basically cut all ties to my local friends. Um, you know, for better or for worse, all my friends were online. And it's because I wanted to connect with certain people that had a certain mentality that wanted to achieve certain things. I was paying for mentorship. I was paying 1600 bucks a month to have a two hours a month call with a guy that had done $7 million a year before. Um, you know, I invested in mentorship and surrounding myself with like-minded people. Friday nights, I wouldn't be out drinking with my friends. I was at home online helping one of the people from one of the coaching programs I was in tackle one of the problems in their business. And I committed that that's who I was, that's what I was going to be, and that I was going to just get mentorship. I was going to surround myself with like-minded people and that failure wasn't an option. And that's literally what I did very quickly. I built the school up. You know, I had like 193 students paying me 130 bucks a month. I had uh, four instructors that were working for free just for experience because they wanted to, you know, to improve their own training and practice that were teaching classes. I had a head instructor and I had a, I had a couple sales reps. I had a nice little tidy business. I had autoresponders for everything from onboarding a new student to, you know, someone got injured. So for the next five years, they're going to get an email from me saying, Hey, I know it's been six months, but I wanted to check in on how your knee is doing. And the knee is a merge field. Um, you know, just wanted to check, you know, I was watching this movie, saw this guy hurt his knee, made me think of you, how's your knee, Coach Daryl, you know, so all this stuff. So it was a really comfy spot and it was just a lot of hours and commitment, wanting to have the best school and the best training, really focusing on who I was going to serve. I didn't have kids classes. I didn't have kickboxing classes. I didn't do 101 different things. I had one standard surfers offering. I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu of the Gracie style. That was it. And I focused on, I did some ads online. I picked 11 different uh, hooks. So, and this is something that I just saw recently with digital marketers. So it must be good because that's what they're touting. But I picked 11 different hooks. This is long before digital marketer was even around. Yeah. I had like lose weight, get in shape, learn self-defense, meet new people, you know, uh, compete and win, free fighter fitness and skill assessment. I had like these 11 different hooks that I was appealing at and I targeted uh, military, fire and police and rescue personnel, uh, local working professionals. And then what else did I do? I did high school kids and university kids. And the best responding group was the free fighter fitness and skill assessment to the university males. And that worked a hundred, uh, sorry, 1100% better than the second best performing campaign that I had. And so I just dove into that. So I had a school of kids kind of 19 to 25, 26 that were going to university and, you know, and then most of them, their parents paid for the classes and it was great. I mean, we had a great time. It was, it was, we converted six out of 10 people that came in into signing up and we just had it really dialed in and it wasn't perfect um, for sure. Uh, you know, and it was still somewhat of an infant business. It was about three and a half years old when I walked away that was because I was, now I've learned I'm an entrepreneur and I enjoy starting and building things. I'm not good into managing. And now, now I do projects where I can do that and I can get a percent or a royalty of what I do, you know, and how to partner with people that are more the day-to-day managers of things. And then I can just keep kind of going and building because that's what I love to do. 
Now, that's actually amazing because that's so true um, of how things actually truly work in the real world. If you read what do you mean? Well, you cut everything off. You essentially burnt the bridges. Mm. And that's how you moved forward. You burnt the bridges, saw that you needed to grow, and that's what I mean. In the real world of things, that's how it works. You can't mm-hmm. be living in the world that says, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be fine, I'm going to keep doing the same thing, but everything's going to be okay. That's the definition mm-hmm. of insanity. You did like massive changes. You found a mentor. You found someone that moved you forward. You tested. You looked at what was there, and you turned, in one of my favorite phrases ever, you turned the shit into sugar. <laughs> That better be some good taste in sugar, man. That's- <laughs> <laughs> it's chocolate flavor. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I freaking love um, Mastery by 50 Cent and uh, uh, what was the name? Robert Greene. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. One of my favorite books of all time to read. Anytime I'm feeling like shit, I'm just, I, just, I always text my friends going, guys, you need to read this book. They're like, why? I was like, because you feel like shit. You need to read this book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's one mm-hmm. of the books that just perks you right back up because you got a guy... I mean, a lot of people don't credit him that well, which really kind of gets me a bit weird. I'm like, 50 Cent, and sorry, just going on a complete tangent here. Do it, do it. 50 Cent was a guy that in 2000 was full of nine fucking bullets. Yep. And he lost his record deal. He lost all the money he had. He lost his friends. He lost his reputation. People wanted him dead. And what does the fucker do? He survives and then thrives because, like, a few years later, he's like on board making some of the biggest deals that they've ever seen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like he's like with um, he had the vitamin water thing or vitamin water if you're American or I don't know mm-hmm. I don't know if Canadians say vitamin <laughs> or vitamin. What do you guys say? We say vitamin. Fair enough. Yeah, if you if you're North American or American in general, um, well, to be fair, I don't know if Canadians actually identify as Americans, but technically, no, we're we're actually very proud. Like most Canadians are very proud to not be American. It's almost like the whole like Asians. Everyone can like, which are you Korean? Are you Chinese? You all look alike. We're very like we are not American. We are Canadian. Although our culture is so similar compared to the rest of the world that it's I like having traveled the world. I get why we get mistaken for Americans all the time. But we're very proud. We're like the small town that doesn't want to be associated with the big city. That's yeah. kind of the book yeah. put it. Basically, yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that happening. See, this is why I like Canadians. They're really, really chill about most things. They'll never get into a fight with the Canadian. That's that's something I have learned in, in my years of being alive. You guys are crazy. <laughs> you guys are like crazy and crazy strong for some reason. It's like, it's all those bears you guys wrestle in the wild, isn't it? Yeah, it's the lumberjack, you know. Was it? There's a great pic that my mom said I could be be anything I wanted when I grew up. So I wanted to be a man. And then there's like a picture of a dude with this gnarly beard and a toque on uh, or a beanie, depending where you're at. And he's like in the river holding a trout, trying to bite into it. He's like a lumberjack, like all muscled up and stuff. And anyways, that's just, yeah, lumberjacks. Anyways, I don't know what it is. Um, but proud to be Canadian. Yeah, it's actually it's kind of funny you should mention that about that image because um, I saw a meme online which just made me giggle, which was like 1980, real man was lumberjack, you know, dressed like a jump lumberjack and stuff like that, and uh, you know, someone that worked at a lumberjack factory or whatever it was, just, you know, wood processing, um, and the nerd was like the skinny little dude with the glasses on, with like the chart and all this that the other. 2015 <laughs> it's the other way around yep yep i'm like what happened to us <laughs> don't get me wrong i self-identify at times as a hipster so i can say this it's okay 
getting like angry hipster trolls. You can't say that. My feelings are hard. Eh, go tell a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> I have like no sympathy for them. I know it's so horrible. It's like you were bullied as well at school. It's like yeah, but I did something about it. Yeah, yeah. It's tough to say. We all want sympathy for our own struggles, but at the same time, we don't want the sympathy because we want to be held accountable. And for a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of handholding and sniveling and a lot of fear. And it, you know, and people just got to be pushed out of that. So I don't know. Part of me, I'm concerned about what's going to happen over the next 15, 20 years. I mean, obviously. Technology is going to change. The world is going to change. But just on the standard of, like, I feel as someone who travels the world, a lot of people in first world countries are apathetic, lethargic, and um, have a sense of entitlement about them as to what they're supposed to get. And, like, employers should do this, this, and that. But then you've got these up-and-coming third world countries where people have been working for an example I've been using all day today, actually, you know, $400 a month for full-time hours. And then they have the opportunity. Like I have people on my team. I have, I have a guy, um, well, he's not with me anymore, but he was working two full-time jobs, you know, and that was because he was getting sick with dengue fever and stuff that was local. And um, But a lot of these people, they're like taking on all they can because they don't, they've never had the opportunity before. You know, I remember when I was growing up, I hated this town. I'm in Kingston, Ontario right now. I'm about to go to the Philippines, but I'm here now. And I remember when I was a kid, I hated this city. I'm like, there's nothing in this city. There's no opportunity. There's no nothing. This place is garbage. I need to go to Toronto. I need to go to Montreal. I need to go to the big city. And then I, you know, I traveled the world and I spent, I lived in Tokyo and where there was, it was a big city. And when I came back after three years in Tokyo, I still had that belief. Right. I was like, this is nothing like Japan. There's, you know, like Tokyo, there was so much stuff and all this opportunity. This is just a small town. Things close at like six here. Oh, oh my God, there's nothing. And then I went to Africa for nine weeks. And after spending nine weeks in Africa, when I came back, I remember looking at my city going, oh my God, there is so much opportunity here. Look at all these street lights. Look at all these paved roads. Look at all these businesses. I could walk to any one of these businesses and try to get a job. Like, look at that. There is so much opportunity here because, you know, it's all about that comparison. It's all about that contrast. It's all about that perspective. I'm so grateful for that. I, I actually prefer to travel in third world countries because I help. I find it deepens that appreciation, that fire and that hunger where, and not only that, but my money goes farther. Like yeah. I'm going to, well, you know, I'm going to live on per month what I'm paying just in rent in Canada. So paying $1,200 a month Canadian in rent will be my rent and my food budget and probably my fun budget when I'm in the Philippines. I might spend more than that, but I'm a pretty simple guy, you know, and it's like, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Plus I'll have that appreciation. Plus I'll be able to employ other people who I can give them like an amazing raise. If they do great work, I can take them from $400 a month to $1,000 a month, which is life changing for those people yeah. here. You know, I hire a high school student and I, you know, if they're not getting at least minimum wage, you know, if they're not like, you know, like it's just, it's just, it's, you gotta be like, you know what I mean? It's just, who do you want your customers to be? Who do you want your staff to be? What kind of people do you want to be surrounded with? I want to be surrounded by hungry people who appreciate opportunity and want to make the most of what they've got available to them. And, you know, and that's, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that's like really, really powerful because like, where in Africa did you go by the way? Uh, I spent five weeks in Uganda and four weeks in Kenya, and three of those four weeks I was in Kibera, which is the second largest slum in the world. It used to be the largest before Calcutta outgrew it, and I was in the the lowest part of the the the, the slum is on a hill, and the further down the hill you go, the poorer they get. So I was like deep in the trenches of Kibera. Hmm. That's cool, dude. Do you do you still speak Swahili or no? 
No, I got a piece. I speak English, French, Japanese at a, a like an intermediate, advanced fluency level, and then um, yeah, and then I got bits and pieces of Thai, Swahili, Spanish. Uh, what else? Other Nubian, because my girlfriend was Nubian. What else? That's pretty cool, dude. Like yeah, but awesome. it, yeah. Well, it's that saying: everything I'm not, maybe everything I am. I'm. I was an orphan as a kid, so I didn't really have roots. So it was like Dr. Seuss's "Are You My Mother?" I traveled the world trying to discover myself and realize we're all kind of the same people, just having different experiences. Yeah, it's very, very powerful. And by the way, it's if you ever do go back to Africa, go to Tanzania. Mm, yeah, is, I wanted to go, but I couldn't make it. Yeah, my my, my home state where I was born. So uh, yeah. Wait, you went to you went to Tanzania? I was born there. What? Yeah, I'm Tanzanian by birth, and I still speak all my languages. That is awesome. Yeah. You go back often? Uh, dude, if I had my passport, I'd be there right now, but I'm still waiting on that goddamn fucking passport to finally yeah, arrive. Yeah, it's been two shit. years, man. It's crazy. Oh, I get it. I'm, I'm in Canada. I was in San Diego for two years, and then I had a disgruntled... Uh, visa off. I mean, I'm just just can't. I'm just gonna say it how it is. My yeah, in, in in my opinion, so I don't get sued. In my opinion, I met a disgruntled employee who had just dealt with the Christmas rush and was bitter and angry, and he denied my entry because he didn't believe my my story or my paperwork. And then when I came back, they denied me again because he and he didn't believe what I was getting paid. I was supposed to get a, a house worth fifty thousand dollars that would have a tenant paying at least $500 a month in rent plus 5% of everything I helped the company make. And he was like, what? And then he denied me again saying I needed to bring two years backdated financials of the company's or company's financials to prove they could afford to buy me the house. And I needed to project what the next, over the next one to two years, what that 5% of earnings would be. Um, and it was just, and in the middle of that, he picked up the phone. In the middle of my interview, my visa interview, picked up the phone and called the HR lady to ask about his overtime check and the pay raise he'd inquired, he'd, he'd requested, um, and then hung up, rejected me. And then when I texted my lawyer about it, took my phone, went through my phone, and ended up banning me from going into the States. So now, like you, just waiting on the passport, the paperwork, it's just such a pain in the ass. And it's all, like, it's if, if they had just... If the process was like, you know, like a school, like they pick up the phone and call your parents, you know, like if it was, if it was like that kind of thing, it would have been resolved right then and there. But instead it's like six grand in legal fees. Uh, what's today? Today's the 17th today. Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally the one year anniversary from when I handed all that paperwork in. Wow. Um, like you, you know, six, six months to eight, six to 18 months is what they told. Immigration stuff sucks. If yeah. anyone's listening to this, the lesson is just pay the damn money for an immigration lawyer begrudge the money that you pay in advance that way you're not your life's not you know put on hold or thrown around because you didn't have an immigration lawyer on the back end yeah it's like so crazy like even my immigration lawyer like uh, the only thing that he's told me to do is find your tanzanian passport reapply uh find your tanzanian passport go traveling for a little bit then reapply and then uh, get your local member of parliament or you know senator to go ahead and write the letter recommendations so you get move forward uh move forward and then after that, you could look at what you can do legally because uh, what they did was they actually messed you up really badly. Wow. Because, wow. Like, dude, I've lost like well over a million dollars in business. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And the worst part is the MP thing. I just went through that with my now ex girlfriend, but she was coming up from the States. And the MP, they were just, I don't know. As I get older, I just, I understand why we have a government and I understand why we need that. But anytime I deal with a government agency, 
it's like, could you guys be any less inspired and motivated to actually like get results? Like I'm not here to hang out with you guys. You know what I mean? Like, I just like, maybe I'm just too results oriented, but yeah, yeah. I'm very much the same. Don't worry. Uh, I'm the exact same when it comes to that stuff. I look at things and go, uh, guys, no, that's annoying. It's just, it's just a big, my, I don't know. It start. it's all, but some of the worst things that have happened in the world have all started with good intentions. Yeah. Um, so we'll leave it at that. Yeah. That one, to be fair, you learn a lot by looking at that kind of stuff anyway. But saying yeah. that, okay, so we're coming up to the bit where I get to shut up and grill you on this one, which is brilliant. So we've talked a lot about traveling, business, ideas, how you've gone ahead and raised yourself in so many different ways and kept your confidence, which is lovely. Um, that sounded so sarcastic. I actually really meant that. Um, it was You're lovely. Uh, but what would be three things that you could give someone that's struggling or in a business where they're plateaued or they don't know what they're doing, like one piece of advice for each person? What would you say to them in either realms of business or mindset, whatever? Just go nuts. Yeah. Well, I already mentioned a couple of them here, and so I'm going to repeat them again. And and for all three of those scenarios, I would say you need to find a mentor. You need to surround yourself with like-minded people. But before you do both of those, what you really need to start with, and I know it sounds cliche, and I know that people, when they hear this, they might roll their eyes. And they might be like, I did this already, and I already know. I just don't think you can do it enough. And that's you really need to do that deep down soul searching of like, what do you want and what do you need? Because a lot of times, it's like the book report, you have to get done, but you just can't get yourself to do it. If you're having that scenario in your business, either you're doing the wrong tasks in your business and you need to partner with other people or maybe partner with another business so that way you can get out of doing those things. Or maybe you're just forcing yourself to do something that you've been taught you needed to do by your parents, by your relatives, by the kids you grew up with, but it's actually just bullshit that's been concrete, like had the layer of concrete put in over your head to keep it there through all the years. you know, And when you see other people do it, you think that that's the way to do it. And in a lot of ways, it isn't. So there's a great activity. I don't know how much time I have, but I would really like to share this activity. Go for um, it, and I actually just got inspired to do it. It's from a book, How to Get Control of Your Time in Your Life by Alan Lakin, and it's phenomenal. In fact, I did it with my cousin who's helping me pack. She's staring at me right now. And that's you make three lists. So the first list you make is your bucket list. And you get a timer. It should only take you 15 minutes to do this, okay? I mean, it might take you 20, but... This is life change. It can literally be life changing in 15, 20 minutes. So the first list you make, you set a timer for two minutes, boop, and then you start writing down all the bucket lists, all the events. I want to climb climb Mount Everest. I want to make a million dollars. I want to be in an orgy. I want to, you know, I want to punch the president in the nose. Like whatever. It doesn't matter. It's your life, your goals. It doesn't matter what they are. Okay. Whatever makes you happy, too. you write those things down. <laughs> Thanks, man. And that's your bucket list. And at the end of the the two minutes. You stop, and if you feel that you you didn't get to put things on the list that you want to put on, you give yourself another minute, put those down. Now you get another piece of paper, and you do the second list. Same two, another two minutes, you hit go, and if you're under 30, you decide the next three years. If you're over 30, three to five years, and that's how do you want to spend your time? How do you want to spend your life? So, for example, do you want to spend it outdoors and surrounded by nature? Do you want to spend it surrounded by kids? Do you want to spend it surrounded by mine, surrounded by a network of esteemed peers who are world-class at what they do as well as people of phenomenal character? 
That's what mine was. Do you want to spend it being active? Do you want to spend it in the tropics and warm? Do you want to, you know, do you want to spend it drunk? Like, how do you want to spend your time for the next three to five years? So it's the first list is like hard events, almost like calendar date things. The next one is like states or how your, you know, how your time is being spent. This the environment, the what you're surrounded by, how you're feeling. You make that list. Two minutes, boom. If you need another minute, give yourself another minute. Next is the third list. And this one, you have to kind of lie to yourself and you have to kind of be good at it because it doesn't work as well if you don't really believe it. And you have to convince yourself you've just been told that you only have six months left to live, that you're going to die in six months, that you will be dead. You have six months to get everything you want to get done in this life. The things you need to say, who you need to say them to, the things you need to accomplish, places you need to go. Boom, two minutes, you make that third list. So now you've got three lists. You have a bucket list, you have a how to spend your time in your life list, and you've got the things I must do in the next six months before I die list. Now what you do is you prioritize each list separately. I want to be clear because sometimes people get confused. So you take the first list, the bucket list, and you organize all the bucket list items in order of priority. You can do one to 10 or one to five or one to 30. Uh, The way I was instructed is A, B, C, D, and then A1, A2, A3. So those are the top three priorities. Those are the A priorities. Then you've got your B, B1, B2, B3, then C, C1, but it doesn't matter. You can go one to 30 straight if you want, but you prioritize each list in order of importance. So then when you're done, and you should be around 15 to 20 minutes at this point, you've gotten three lists of prioritized things for a bucket list, for how to spend your time in your life in the next six months. And you take the top three from each list and you write them on a separate piece of paper. And you look at these nine things and you decide on three, like you take these nine things and you combine them into three power statements that define what your goal is, what you're going to achieve and how you're going to achieve it. So for example, like one of mine was, I want to live in peak mental and physical conditions surrounded by a network of esteemed peers, people who are world-class at what they do as well as people of phenomenal character. That's why I'm doing this interview. That's why I'm trying to help other people. You are world-class at what you do, Adil. That's why we're connected, right? Peak mental and physical condition. I go to the gym all the time. I was drinking a kale and spinach, you know, freshly squeezed orange juice and kale and spinach juice while I'm here. Like, you know, whether you believe in that stuff or not, that it works, I'm still making the attempt because that's the goal, you know? Second one was a business goal. Want to be doing 100000 a month. Want 90% of fulfillment not requiring my involvement. And I want 30% of my income going into real estate and gold. That's goal two. And the third one was about finding a life partner and the things that I need. And that was mine. And yours will be totally independent and different. Different, but you take a look at all the things that are floating around your head, all that noise, you put them down on a piece of paper, you clear out all the, you know, the ones that aren't really essential, and that gives you direction. And that list, those three things that I made still direct my life today, and I make a goal to redo that li- those three lists every year on my birthday. So I would start with that. Because that will tell you whether you're doing what you need to be doing in your business, whether it's going to be fulfilling, or whether you're climbing a ladder leaning against the wrong wall. And if when you have that sorted, if you're still stuck or plateaued or all that, get a mentor and get surrounded by people who are just like you, who are trying to achieve the exact same thing you are. Nothing is more powerful. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I believe that so thoroughly, so thoroughly. I just, I broke up with my girlfriend and I'm moving to the Philippines and my cleaning lady is leaving her husband and moving to the Yukon. 
Wow. You know, and it's like I didn't tell her to do that. I had nothing, but she's come here. It comes here once a week, and I almost feel like she's been influenced by watching my life decisions and what I'm doing. And so you don't even necessarily notice what you're absorbing from people. And if you had nine friends that were crackheads that you hung out with, you don't need to be a crackhead. You will have crackhead problems because they will bring them to you. You will get involved in them. You'll be out with them, and they'll shoplift, and they get caught, and you're in trouble because you're with them. So who you hang out with really does matter. So the guilty those by association. Right. And so those would be my tips, you know, get clear on who you are, what your goal in your life is, and what's going to make you happy and meaningful. Top regrets. What are the top? uh, I got this other thing. Top regrets of the dying. Sorry, I don't want to go. No, it's good, dude. Go for it. I don't want to go too late, but here, top regrets of the dying. So after 40 years in palliative care, this nurse, which was her name? Nurse Nancy, come on. What is this? Nancy or Bronnie Ware put together this shortened list. So palliative care is where people go when they're about to die. It's part of the hospital you put them in. So after 40 years working in the section of the hospital where people are on their deathbed, she put together this shortened list of regrets of people about to die. One, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. That's why I gave you that list goal, that list task. Mm -hmm. Two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Three, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And five, I wish I had let myself be happier. Wow. So if you really get the fun, the foundational stuff right, you can avoid those things. I have a personal list when I said surrounded by a network of esteemed peers. I literally have a list of 50 business VIPs and 50 friends that I have, that I've met people around. And every night I spend 30 minutes just connecting with some person off each of those lists, you know, cause that's part of the goals. And so again, if you just get really clear on what matters to you, make sure your business aligns with that, make sure, you know, and then you plan a day to day that you can just live every day. I mean, how do you lose? Yeah. So. Wow. That's incredible, dude. Thanks, That's man. so powerful. Uh, guys, seriously, uh, go check out Daryl's podcast, the best business podcast, as well as bestbusinesscoach.ca. Uh, check his stuff out because like, I really love Daryl's stuff. Um, I've watched them a few times. He has some absolutely great stuff. I've gone through his content. It's brilliant. Thanks, man. No, dude, seriously, it is. I've got to send you a testimonial soon for him because um, I've got to get my, I finally got my camera back so I can start doing them again, which is lovely. <laughs> Seriously, as much as I love my iPhone uh, camera, there's nothing that beats a Canon for me. I just love, yep. I, I just like use them. It's it, it's the feel, and I'm a real nerd when it comes to it. So, yeah. <laughs> but dude, thank it's you so much for doing this, man. Absolutely love the fact that you're on the show, and love to get you back on another time. Perfect. Yeah, just let me know. I'm always here to help people. Uh, my tagline is "Your success is my success for a reason." Because help enough people, I don't have to worry about you know eating at the end of the day. So Pretty just right, let right. me know. I'm always here to help. Cool. All right, man. Thanks for uh, being on. Guys, check out Daryl's stuff. And as always, links are in the description below. And we'll speak soon. Take care.